Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Hi, this is Father Tom Burke of the Catholic Diocese of Pittsburgh, and welcome to Catholic Education Plus on KDK Radio. This show spotlights the important work of Catholic education in our Catholic schools and parish faith formation programs. Catholic Education Plus is brought to you by the generous supporters of Catholic Education, including Sam and Judy Spanos and the Catholic Diocese of Pittsburgh in southwestern Pennsylvania. The Church of Pittsburgh is moving in a critical new phase in revitalizing its parishes and schools as they reorganize and strengthen through On Mission for the Church Alive plan. Renewing the faith formation will play a key role as resources that are invested in the ministries and programs. And to look at all the possibilities that exist for the parish and schools, a faith formation symposium was held just a few weeks ago, and it brought together national and local experts in the Catholic faith formation, and with all a common goal of bringing young people and families into committed discipleship with Jesus. And joining us this morning to share the big picture vision and specific methods in teaching the faith is Judine Indovina. She's the Diocesan Director of Family Ministry and Faith Formation who helped to organize and lead this symposium. Judine, welcome this morning back to Catholic Education Plus. Thank you, Father Burke. It's good to be with you. And uh, Judine, the symposium just took place just two weeks ago, uh, March 14th through the 16th at St. John Newman Parish in Franklin Park. And it was attended by many priests and lay leaders involved in the faith formation. Uh, A lot of keynote addresses, talks, and workshops, as well as uh, a great exhibit of religious art of children. Uh, What were some of the topics covered at the symposium a few weeks ago? Sure. Um, Well, our keynote addresses focused on the major themes for revitalization of faith formation for the Diocese of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. So regarding those themes, there are three pillars that will be the foundation of our revitalization, and that would be, one, catechesis for discipleship with Jesus, two, family integration into the child's formation, and three, a wider application of the catechumenal model, which was the early process of leading people to become Catholics and embrace a wholehearted lived experience of their faith. Um, That model was from the early church, and we recognize it now as really having all the ingredients for um, leading people to deep intimacy with Christ and pursuing um, their own individual calls in the church. So that was the the major themes for our keynotes were on those three pillars. Mm. And then the workshops provided insight into specific methods or programs or directions that are critical to thriving ministry. So um, workshops were held on middle school ministry, for example, catechesis for children with disabilities, um, theology of the body, team building, um, even issues of cultural relevancy and how we can do a better job of reaching underrepresented communities in the church. Um, and just there were, I mean, there were so many, there are up to 40 different workshops on uh, uh, just an array of topics, something for everybody. Nice variety for people. Uh, Truly. So basically like a great 
banquet smorgasbord just to pick and choose where they felt that they had a, a deep interest in and kind of renew their faith. Right. So there Lots were topics options. for anything mm. from preschool directors to elementary school teachers and elementary principals and elementary faith formation programs, um, youth ministry, and even adult formation. Wow great little variety. Now, in an interview with the Pittsburgh Catholic newspaper uh, just a few weeks ago, back in February, you said that we need to build programs that are impactful and life-giving. What did you mean by that? Okay, so um, my background is in education originally. Mm -hmm. My first degree is in elementary ed as a a teacher. And when I was born way back, um, the emphasis was on objectives, standards, criterion, and the checklist. Um, But more recent educational research indicates, and it's common sense, of course, that what is most important is not so much whether objectives are met, but whether our programs had impact. Do they make concrete and lasting changes in the hearts and minds of those we form? Um, So every educational program will always increase knowledge. It could be the the most basic of all, and you will see an increase of knowledge. That's nothing to be proud of. Mm -hmm. But what you want to look for is a transformation that occurs within the person. So this is biblical, right? Jesus criticized the Pharisees because they had that checklist mentality of, you know, well, we followed all the standards, we did all the rules, and we must be superior. And Jesus said, you are whited sepulchers. You are white and pristine on the outside, but inside you're corrupt. Mm -hmm. Um, And everything Jesus taught was about that getting into the heart. You know, don't rattle off a list of prayers, um, but pray from the heart. Or don't just simply call me Lord, but do the will of the Father. So impactful faith formation is moving us out of that uh, maintenance mode of, well, we bought the textbooks, we did 80 confirmations this year. We did 30 baptism preps. Good job. We we did our job. No, actually, you just did the very basics. How did that impact or change? And so unless if we shift our focus um, to impact instead of duty or obligation, um, we, we're not really moving. Not to say that those duties and obligations can go away. Mm-hmm. That's the skeleton. <laughs> um, but a skeleton needs flesh and blood, and that's what we're talking about. Yeah, you could give numbers, and oh, that sounds good and well, but it, what's the real content? What 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 was the impact of that? You know, it's not robotic and exactly. You know, just go through the motions. But what was the impact on it? it if, would be quality, know, not quantity. Statistics mm-hmm. are showing us that two thirds of our children that go through faith formation today do not remain Catholic. Right. Yeah. Have we made an impact? Mm-hmm. We haven't. We haven't succeeded. So they learned, but did they embrace that faith? What are they going to do with that? Yeah. Exactly. Now, can you describe some programs or models of faith formation that are growing in popularity? Because things need to kind of rotate the soil, get new interests, uh, new nutrients, and now we're coming up into the spring season with April upon us uh, this week. Uh, can you explain a little bit about uh the catechesis of the Good Shepherd and family-centered catechesis, because this is something that's new, but it's getting popular and, sure. and gaining a lot of interest. Yes, and, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those models that you mentioned have a lot of research behind them, um, years of longitudinal studies showing that these are the most infa- Im- impactful and effective methods of catechesis. So family-based um, Family-based is looking at religious ed not as something only for children, 
but something for the whole family. The objective is to orient faith formation back to its authentic center, which is the parent unit, parents as the primary educators of their children in the faith, not the parish or school as the primary faith educators, and then to strengthen the optimal environment for faith formation, which is the family. So this concept is um, overwhelming sometimes to both parents and schools and parishes because (laughs) the parents feel inadequate and the schools and parishes are nervous to let go of the reins and give that authority back to the parents. So what a family-based model does is it empowers the parents, first um, uh, accompanying them where they are at at their faith journey, um, helping them to grow as adults in their faith, and then teaching them how to teach their children. If if a family-based model does that, it will succeed. If you simply have parents coming in, watching you know a movie together, and drinking hot chocolate and basket weaving, <laughs> that's not that's not family-based. Not getting much out of it. No, right? you have mm-hmm. to empower the parents to own their rightful position as the, the catechists of their parents, and of their children. And it can be done a lot of different ways. There are many different pa- prepackaged programs you can purchase. But whatever is used, the, the goal is always to strengthen the family, mm-hmm. to strengthen the family unit. Um, now, catechesis of the Good Shepherd, that is uh, a method of faith formation started by scripture scholar Sophia Cavaletti, and Montessorian educator Gianna Gobi in the 1950s in Italy. And the objective of this method is to create an environment for children where they may freely listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and contemplate God in a prayerful way. So CGS does not have classrooms. There you walk into a, a, an environment where children are learning about God through this method. You won't see desks and textbooks. Mm-hmm. You will see learning stations. And CGS begins each experience of God with the group, with the catechists, uh, meditating on the word of God together prayerfully, and then children go off independently and they self-select the experiences that they want to engage in to learn more about God in these learning stations. Um, so it's Montessorian in basis, but it is um, profoundly scriptural and deeply rooted to the liturgy and the mass. So there's mm. like a full formation that occurs of the child on, on a lot of levels, intellectually, prayerfully, um, liturgically. And it is growing uh, uh, greatly throughout the diocese. Um, so we're excited to see both of these models popular. progressing. Yeah. You know, St. John Newman Parish has had the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd since yes. I've been ordained, because when I was a young parochial vicar at St. Alphonsus in Wexford, I remember St. John Newman had that, and it's growing with other parishes too, So yep. because it's different. It's not your normal religious ed classes, and um, it's out of the norm, but it's it's getting them um, energized with that right, too. Absolutely. Now, can we just focus briefly a little bit? The church in the past focused on giving people a lot of information about the faith, like teaching and the Bible stories, but not much developing in a personal relationship. Why was that approach taken? Well, I think, um, 
the church always focused on personal relationship. That was scriptural. That was mm-hmm. from Christ. But over the years, um, in particular, historically, when we hit the Protestant Reformation, the church was so anxious to make sure the children learned the doctrines that they had to know in the face of opposition. So we had catechisms that were like question-answer memorization. That existed for a couple centuries, and we are at the point now where we see that's not enough. Right. We, we have to get mm-hmm. back to the heart. Get more bread and butter on that. And with these new programs, it's taking a look at it a little bit different. Yep. Well, this is great. And welcome back to Catholic Education Plus. I'm Father Tom Burke, the administrator of the Catholic Community of the East End of Pittsburgh, which is the parishes of St. Bede in Point Breeze, St. Charles Luanga in the East End, and St. James in Wilkinsburg. And this morning, uh, my guest is Judine Indovina, the Director of Family Ministry and Faith Formation for the Diocese of Pittsburgh. We're talking about renewing faith formation, how to educate uh, our families, our young adults, and uh, the programs and models that are um, so important in the various parishes and groupings. And Judine, uh, at our break, we were just talking a little bit about um, making a committed, deeper faith and, and all the the hustle and bustle that our culture and society and distractions. There's been a lot of discussion in recent years about how the church can better lead Catholics to a deeper, committed faith that's so secular and a lot of distractions or living out the lives that God doesn't matter or exist. Now, how can we deepen uh, someone's relationship with Jesus amongst all the noise in our society? Sure. Um, That's a critical question. Mm. I think the church, um, for 2,000 years, we know the science of how to become a saint. You know, there's ascetical, mystical theology, and it walks people through the stages of, you know, going from purification to transforming union with God. But what we have come to understand is people aren't, at that level yet, where mm. they're ready to pursue holiness even. They're not even sure if they trust God or the church. So how do we lead people from being skeptical to, you know, really giving their hearts to Christ? Um, and catechetical leader Sherry Waddell, she wrote the book Forming Intentional Disciples. She was a convert to the Catholic faith. She really has done a great service to the church by giving us tremendous into, insight into the science of leading others to a deep relationship with Jesus. So after working with thousands of individuals, um, on a one-on-one basis to help them develop their ministry, she came to see a pattern that there's five thresholds that people go through from being skeptical to being totally in love with Jesus. Mm. And the five thresholds make a lot of sense, and and probably our listeners can identify these thresholds in their own life. Um, The first threshold, and, and by the way, we should know these as catechists and leaders of the faith so that we can say, oh, that person's at level two. Let's assist them in this way to move them up to level three. <laughs> so those are these are the five thresholds, and I think we should all know these really well. First is trust. So somebody comes to the church, and they they don't care about doctrine. They don't care about the sacraments. They just want to know if they can trust you. Do I want to be a part of this? So at that level, you want to help people. Um, you want to be professional, meet their needs, welcoming, hospitality, all of the human formation is critical right there just to show that, yeah, we're, we're genuine and we are your, we are sincerely your brothers and sisters in Christ. The second threshold is curiosity. And curiosity is, well, hey, 
okay, I trust you. And this is interesting. Um, tell me why you do this. Like, why do you use holy water? Um, this person is not ready to surrender their hearts to Christ, but they're willing to start asking questions. The next threshold is openness. So this person is now saying, okay, I trust them. They have answers to a lot of my questions. Perhaps there is more to this than I thought. Perhaps this could change my life. Perhaps, perhaps I might even let it change my life. But they're not ready to change their life yet. So you have to be very gentle with people in threshold three, but you have to challenge them too, not just ignore the reality of, hey, they are about to give their hearts to Christ. Let's help them to do that. The fourth threshold is seeking. And this is when a person can finally say, yeah, there's more to this than I thought, and I am hungry for it. I'm not ready to say yes with all my heart, but tell me what you got, and I'll read the book. I'll come to the class. And finally, the last threshold is discipleship, and that's when a person knows Jesus is truly the Son of God and that they trust him with their whole heart, that they love him and they know he loves them, and they can say, I'm yours. So I think if we follow those thresholds and lead people step by step, we can, we can really help people move to a, a, a position in their life where, where they're full of the, the love of God. Yeah, and they have to kind of, it's a process. It's not just a cookie cutter, one quick swoop. No. Like you have to slowly build that trust and, it's so, and then move up to the next level. It's not going to happen overnight. So no. you have to really be delicate with that. And and for the those who are non-practicing or who are former Catholics, do you think they all fully understand the faith that they walked away from? Well, I think, you know, it's a very real problem mm. in society today. Um, but I think people walk away from the faith for many reasons. It's hard to categorize it and say, here's one reason why people sure. leave. Yeah. Some are hurt. Some never really knew the faith. Um, and wherever people are at, we want to um, meet them where they're at and accompany them to the next step. Yeah. It's not like a knee-jerk reaction or something. It's, you know, oh, I'm, I'm mad. I'm going to take my toys and run. <laughs> or they got hurt or mistrust. So it's it's very delicately. But, you know, where what are they walking away from? And Christ is right there to welcome them back. Right. And we can't let people just slip away either. Right. If we knew the cure for cancer and our neighbor had cancer, shouldn't we want to tell them that exactly. here's how you can get better? Um, so we want, we not that we pass judgment on anybody that's not living the faith, but if we believe Jesus is the Son of God and he came to give us life to the full, we want that for everyone. And the Catholic faith teaches everyone is called to be a saint, uh, to grow in holiness, and there's so much goodness out there in this world, but the temptation, the sin, and the evil uh, can creep in. How can learning the faith better help us to make the best choices in life? What's good? What's not good? Um, well, uh, you you have to. It's like how can schooling make you a more um, effective professional? <laughs> you you have to know the 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 tools of the trade in order to succeed at it and it's the same as you know learning the faith isn't just about trivial knowledge it's really ultimately about um having god fully alive in your heart um and so all the mysteries of the faith uh, lead us to greater intimacy with christ um that's that's the key 
And you talked about being a kairos moment for the church. Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. It's Mm -hmm. a Greek word. It means an opportune time or place. Can you give us some perspective in this on this time in the two thousand year history of the church, Kairos. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so in scriptures, we have two words for time. One is Chronos, which is like a progression of time that kind of drags us along. But Kairos is a different word for time, which means God breaks into time and time stands still. And when God uses that word in the scriptures, it's like usually a moment that's very challenging, such as the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. It may not make sense to the people experiencing it, but it's a moment that's pregnant with opportunity and grace. So I think in the crisis of the church today um, and in the uncertainty of our times, we need to see this as a Kairos moment that, yeah, is uncertain, but God's grace is abundantly present and there's enormous opportunity before us Um yeah. Yeah. And for our listeners who want to grow with their faith, uh, no matter what their age is or their background, what steps would you suggest that they consider taking? I think pure and simple, open your heart to Christ. It's that simple. Like it has to go there. Um, Jesus was always asking his disciples, who do you say I am? We yeah. all have to ask ourselves that question. Who do Who do I say Jesus is? And then we have to um, really believe that he wills our best. It's scary. You know, if I believe in him, maybe he's going to ask me to change something. But it's like Pope Benedict said so beautifully, if we let Christ into our lives, we lose nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing of what makes life free, beautiful, and great. No, only in friendship with Christ are the doors to life open wide. I love that. That's really awesome. So, so true. Just renewing your faith. And what an opportune topic to talk about now with um, the last few days of March. April's upon us. Spring rotating the soil. Judine Indomita, thank you for being with us this morning on Catholic Education Plus. It's been a pleasure. We'll be back in a moment. This week in our Plus segment, we're featuring the called by name. This is called uh, Universal uh, Call to Holiness. It's going to be held uh, on April the 28th at St. Paul Seminary from 4 to 8.30. There's going to be great speakers, uh, Mother Claire Mathias, uh, Father Dan Rozuski, Father Michael Ackerman, our vocation director, Dave Belkowski, and, of course, Bishop Zubik. All high school men and women are uh, invited. There's no cost. And if you'd like to register for this event on April the 28th, you can visit pgpriest.com. That's PG hpriest.com, Universal Called to Holiness, Called by Name. It will be held on April the 28th, St. Paul Seminary on Noblestown Road in Crafton, 4 to 8.30 p.m. Great speakers, Mother Claire Mathias, Father Dan Rozuski, Father Michael Ackerman, Dave Palkowski, and Bishop Zubek. So this is good for all high school men and women just learning a call to holiness, uh, learning more about their vocation and purpose in life. Great little discussion, great speakers. April 28th, 4 to 8.30, St. Paul Seminary in Crafton. We'll see you there for Called by Name. Thank you for listening to Catholic Education Plus, and thanks again to our supporters, including Sam and Judy Spanos and the Catholic Diocese of Pittsburgh. I'm Father Tom Burke. Join us again in two weeks at 630 right here on KDK Radio. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 